We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Alexander. McCollum staying with him. Spins, gets inside. Left-handed off the glass. Oh, what a sweet move. Giddy, tough spot. Back door. What a pass. What a play. And Jada picks the pocket of Trey Young. He'll take it himself. This isn't dark. You're listening to the uncontested. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast coming to you live Wednesday, September 13th. We are brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. Got my guy JD Silva with me tonight. Hello. We've got Taylor Peterson here. Happy Wednesday. Getting closer and closer to basketball. Happy Wednesday, indeed. I don't have the number of days in front of me, but we are closing in very quickly to media day for the Thunder, the opening of training camp, and preseason basketball. I believe the first game, wait. first preseason game is Chet v. Wemby. Correct. At Paycom. In, in, in OKC. Yeah. Pretty cool. We're also yep. getting closer to uh, aliens being revealed to the world, according to my father. <laughs> What you, and uh, is your the, father uh, the Mexican government? Mexican Congress, yeah. Could be. Could be. I'm he's, he's plugged in. I'm just gonna say it. The build of that alien that the Mexican government revealed today kind of like kind of looked like Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> A little bit. I thought you were going to go with E.T. And I was like, yeah, I kind of think they, you know, copied. Someone 19, needs to do a side by side of that alien and Jordan Clarkson. I mean, I've never seen the two of them in the same room before. Yeah. No, they, he, he looks like he could be an uncle of mine. For sure. <laughs> he did have a very distinguishable mustache. A little bit of a resemblance to Ooh. Silva. It's also, pretty easy to. Also looks like my man fish. hasn't slept in decades. You see those bags under his hey. eyes? <laughs> Uh, well, Go look, now we all are, uh, are very aware that, you know, look, Alexei Pokushevsky is an alien, and we've known this for a long time. <laughs> it's a good tweet. I'm just so thankful that he's on our basketball team. It was a, it was a good tweet by Taylor. If you haven't seen it, it, you should go to the uncontested Twitter account. I had some uh, bangers today. 
That was actually the, the first I'd seen of any of those pictures that like the, that Mexican journalist came, came I was out with. Really that hoping was the that... first I'd seen. So I was Same. like, where did he get these? <laughs> so that's what I was wondering as well. Uh, also, so if you haven't seen the tweet, Taylor tweeted something to the effect of like the Mexican government have revealed photos of aliens. And it was like three photos of aliens and then one photo of so Poku. I, I literally, basically, I was scrolling through the trending on uh, Elon Musk's Twitter, aka x.com. And the top one was like four of these pictures. And so I took the first sentence of that and copy and pasted it. The Mexican government just released photos, DNA, and all other details of aliens. And there's like some quote unquote legitimate. Uh, pictures, you know, from the the actual post, and then the fourth one, of course, I had to throw in none other than our guy Poku. Yeah, that's a disturbing photo. <laughs> now, my my favorite part of the tweet was somebody replied to it and said, <laughs> "Can you trust any government?" Uh, it's just it's just so on either. brand for social media. It was incredible. It really it, is. It's 10 a.m. I, I, I forgot what I said. I think I said, uh, my man, I am just trying to make a a joke about Alexei Pokushevsky on X.com. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of governments. <laughs> hello. The Oklahoma City government uh, had a big announcement yesterday. Tuesday. Yes, Tuesday. We finally are getting some details on a new OKC arena, boys. It's been in the works for over 12 months. The mayor first brought it up last year at the State of the City address. It's been talked about much recently, especially over the summer. Now we finally have right on time because Mayor Holt earlier this summer did say by summer's end that we would have a proposal and hopefully be voting on it before the new year. So the proposal is out. The proposal will be taken to the Oklahoma City um, well, what's the, City Council. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, it has to pass City Council. Which just in about is, a week, I believe. I think it's the yes. 26th off the top of my head. And we're yeah, so like a couple of weeks away. two weeks. It only has to pass with a simple majority. It doesn't need a super majority. Just over 50%. If it does pass City Council... It will go to a vote of the Oklahoma City residents December 12th. Um, I actually looked this up because I thought it would be really cool if there was a home game December 12th. And while everyone was in Paycom watching the game, the polls close at 7 or 8. And so the results of the polling would start coming in and we would know. And they'd probably see them on the new Paycom screen. Yeah, Screen yes. Over the, the <laughs> Unfortunately, there is not a home game December 12th. It is an off night for the Thunder, but I thought that would be really cool. Um, anyways, Taylor, I believe you have all the specifics and the statistics uh, that the mayor released. Do you want to share some of those? <laughs> uh, I don't have those, actually. <laughs> I have some stats in regards to comparisons for other arenas as well oh, okay. as uh, some of the big things for, well, but I can find I, them I can, very quickly. I, I can go ahead and list off some of those, and then you can jump in with the stuff that you have as well. Perfect. The mayor has said that it will be uh, at least $900 million arena. Uh, the team ownership is chipping in $50 million. They are also using $70 million 
of current MAPS money that's already in the bank uh, instead of making more upgrades to Paycom. They're going to slide that money over from that to building a new arena. The rest of the arena will be funded via a Oklahoma City sales tax. It will be an extension of the current MAPS tax. It will not be an increase in sales tax. The sales tax percent will stay the same. It is not changing. What is happening is it is getting extended. Big thing to note there, because a lot of people I've heard, you know, complaining, oh, they're going to raise taxes. They are not raising the amount of percentage tax you pay. It's just they're extending it out for longer. It will be the same tax that has been voted yes on since 1994. Silva, how old were you in 1994? Well, Jacob, I was not alive. This sales tax has been in effect since before JD was born, since before the Oklahoma City bombing. I was born four days into 1995, so uh, Taylor wasn't. Same can go for me. I was a four-year-old in in like pre-K. It is the same tax that Oklahoma City residents have voted yes on for nearly 30 years. So people you, that, you that nailed have, that that are like I, I looked it up while you were talking and you, you nailed did. every single bullet point. I think the only other thing should be an education that it should the arena should be open uh, by the 2029 30 season, if not sooner, is, is what that sooner said, would be dope, which but would be 20, awesome. 2029 um, is when it will open. The team, specifically the team ownership, have already signed a document that says if a new arena is funded they will sign a new 25-year lease with the city, meaning the Thunder will stay here through 2050 and beyond. It's a long time. That's a long time. So with all that being said, Taylor, you had some additional um, economic impact numbers uh, that I think are important to to note. So will you rattle some of those off, please? So... And again, this kind of transitions transitions us into like some of the pushback that, again, is only loud on social media. I do not think it's probably – first of all, we're kind of preaching to the choir here, I think, in terms of our listeners uh, who are listening and tuning in. I think they're all going to be pretty supportive of this. But I also think uh, this noise tends to get louder in social media, Facebook x slash twitter whatever you want to call it and so these stats come from brett dawson he just uh, released his first thunder article with the sellout crowd but he was there for uh halted not quite a media availability but just kind of like a quick presser uh after this was announced and three of the biggest bullet points that came from that uh there are 18 media markets larger than this one being the thunder or being okc with no nba team and some of those very markets obviously have essentially a billion dollar arenas just sitting there. Uh, He's obviously referring to Vegas and Seattle. I even think about like Kansas city, for example, Kansas city is a big one who have that, you know, I've been to the sprint center a couple of different times and it it is, you know, it's not quite a billion dollars, but it it is a nice arena. Um, That's just an example. The other one, the uh, Oklahoma city's gross domestic product has increased 62% since the Thunder came to town in 2008. That's a pretty ridiculous number, especially when you compare that to national uh, st- uh, stats, which I haven't done, but that is 
very impressive. And then the city has gone from the nation's 31st largest to the 20th over that same span since the Thunder came in 2008, which Holt then went into detail saying, you know, I don't think that's a coincidence that that happened when the Thunder came here. Uh, so again, some pretty incredible uh, stats there and, and, and just, I think, provide some really good uh, perspective. For sure. To add on to that, uh, I believe Holt in the press release stated that the, uh, the uh, maybe it's the Chamber of Commerce. I'm not sure what organization it is that does the data collection and the data analysis on this, uh, but stating that the Thunder and, and the arena contribute over $600 million per year to the Oklahoma City economy and create th- more than 3,000 jobs. Some of those jobs ran by people in my fi- my like immediate family in the Paycom Center. So uh, the economic impact is huge. So again, city council has to pass this on, I think Taylor said, September 26th. If it passes there, it will go to a public vote December 12th. I think we're going to do a big old December 12th giveaway, boys. I think it's a great idea. Agreed. Do some uh, do yeah. some giveaways for some I voted. If people like send in I voted stickers or whatever. Um, Unfortunately, all three of us are either in Moore or Norman. Oh, so, <laughs> Silver, are you not technically an OKC? I, you know, I keep forgetting to register as an actual OKC voter. <laughs> well, you better get on that, my guy. Yeah, I should do that. I, yeah. uh... <laughs> Gentlemen, I don't want to be that guy. I kind of want to rant about this, though, because I'll be honest, most of the discourse has been positive, and I think it will pass. I feel pretty confident about that. Pretty overwhelmingly. I, like, I really do. I, I, I think we sometimes get caught up just in the social media bubble, and again, I don't know. I'm about to go on a, on a rant also, so Jacob, continue. Well, my only worry of it not passing is there has been recently, and when I say recently in the past few years, um, this kind of anti-supportive government push. Uh, For instance, like a lot of like local areas in Oklahoma have been like not getting bond issues passed for public schools, which typically like never happens. My other worry is that a lot of people will think oh, it's going to pass, so I don't need to get out and vote yes. And that'll keep voters home, which is a bad thing to think. We need all yes voters to get out. Most of the discourse has been positive, Silva. Yeah. But some of the discourse on Twitter, on Facebook, on these other platforms, um, I want to debunk a few of these... uh, myths or these beliefs real quick. First one, I've kind of already touched on it, but the they're going to raise our taxes. They are not raising the taxes. In the press release, as I said earlier, they have said tax rate will stay the same. We are just going to extend the MAPS tax seven years. You're not going to pay any more in taxes. The press release also stated that 30% of OKC sales tax 
is not paid by Oklahoma City residents. It's paid by people like Taylor and I going into Oklahoma City and eating dinner and shopping and, and going to events, going to the pay concert. Going to the, exactly. I was going to say going to Thunder Games. Yeah. The big one that, it just drives me nuts, guys. It, it infuriates me. It was my fuel. It was the, the hatred I needed to get through my workout yesterday at the gym. Why are we spending tax dollars just to benefit a bunch of billionaires? Here's the thing. If your problem is, A, you do not want billionaires to make more money, I got bad news for you, buddy. You live in America. Right. You better never shop at Amazon or Walmart or CVS. You better get rid of that iPhone or that Android or that you Ford car. You know what? The ownership of the Oklahoma City Thunder, this is not their primary income. They're going One, to when you continue to make millions you are and not, millions so, regardless. Exactly. So if your issue is supporting billionaires, we've got bigger problems than a pro sports arena. If your problem is taxpayer dollars going to support billionaires, more bad news for you. This thing will be publicly owned. The $50 million that Thunder Ownership is throwing into the ring here is not because they want to be part owner of the arena. It is a donation to the city to build the arena. It's a construction cost, exactly. This supposed to cover the construction. Yeah. This arena will be owned by the city of Oklahoma City. So when the Thunder play games there, the NBA will lease out the building and pay a leasing fee. When a concert comes through, they will pay a leasing fee. This is what we call an investment, folks. You pay the money up front for the building, and then you charge people to use it. It will be owned by the city. So you are not giving billionaires a gift. The billionaires are getting nothing except a place for their team to play basketball, and they are going to pay you American dollars to play <laughs> basketball in an arena. It is not a gift to billionaires. I was on Thunder Reddit. Somebody was throwing a fit about... Well, why we do should, you do this to yourself? I know. Yeah, it's just, it's we, brutal. We should, why are we doing this when we need to pay teachers more money? 10-year teaching vet right here. City sales tax does not go to public education, my guys. You know what goes to public education? State funds, bond issues. State funds pay um, salaries and, and operational costs. Local bonds pay, pay infrastructure. Ironically you're, enough, you're, you're working with a, uh, a bond structure in your new position. Basically, yeah. I'm working so with a grant. Or, so, uh, yeah. Yes, you're, you will never find a bigger public education advocate than this guy. I promise you that. This isn't about public education. Bringing in 3,000 jobs and keeping them there, that creates income tax and property tax that then goes to the local and state level that can combat those things like educational uh, underfunding, like homelessness. The sales tax will help take care of these other problems. It's just how it works. Also, if you want to help public ed, get rid of Ryan Walters. <laughs> that also. That is, uh, to be clear, I don't think that's a left or right issue 
I'm with you. Yeah, very, very well said. It's this is the way. Like people that are against it, I don't think understand how government funding works. Correct. And, and I would say the best thing the mayor could do was go on this like education campaign where we really spell out what happens. The city will own the arena. We will lease the arena out and charge a leasing fee and make money off of it. And eventually we're making a profit and those things can go into building new homeless shelters and repairing infrastructure and all this other stuff. I t- People won't listen though. People don't care. No, uh, facts are not valued necessarily. 100%. I, I, either this side, is what I, mean, I believe and it is right. right. And I don't care if you provide documentation. You're not right. That it's and and I, I hate using fake news because I don't. I mean, I think people uh, associate that with right wing. Yeah. Again, like I, I think to your point, it's not left wing or right wing here. It's just like that's what we've become accustomed to here in America, right? You have to pick one side or the other. And in life, I mean, again, this is another uh, <laughs> big rant we can go down, and we we don't need to here on an NBA podcast, but. Like we function, it, life is in the gray. It's not black. 100%. It's not white. And we've been a, a trained and accustomed to you have to choose black or white. Now, all of this being said, going kind of back to what I think I originally was getting to is the last voices are always on social media. And like you know, you, you're going through social media, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe people overwhelmingly think this. And then something else happens. I don't actually want to make that comparison to a real life event because that will get political. But I learned this here, uh, here, I don't know, however many years ago. All that being said, I, I, I think that was very well said, Jacob. But the one almost maybe valid concern that I've seen, and these are the stats that I do have, it's just the contribution from the ownership themselves. And I think to start this off, you look at the ownership group, right? Uh, what is it? The basketball. So I can't even remember what their LLC is is called. But the Thunder owners essentially have a combined net worth of twenty four billion dollars. The majority of that comes from George Kaiser, the Kaiser Foundation. And uh, a little inside baseball here that listeners may not know. You all may not even necessarily know this, but I've heard through people that I trust. Kaiser just kind of came in. I I don't want to say peer pressured, but he's not the most invested in basketball. (laughs) And nor should he. I mean, he's doing incredible things for the community in Tulsa and the state of Oklahoma as a whole. But with all that being said, there is some concern about only $50 million from the ownership group going towards covering the construction costs as Jacob covered. And so I thought Joe Masato, the Oklahoman, now promoted, shout out to Joe, I, big, I time Joe. Yeah, big time, Joe. Big time, Joe. Yeah, I, I don't have that his new title in front of me, so I won't try and, and butcher it here. But he did bring up a, a or he wrote a article here trying to uh, basically comparing the most recent new arenas that have, have occurred over the past. I mean, there haven't been very many, so I don't know. There's like three, four listed here, and then the ownership contribution for each of those compared mm-hmm. to. Uh, this so for this uh for the the new thunder arena i believe this 50 million would be about five percent contribution for the total cost 
from from OKC's ownership group. And in comparison for Milwaukee and their new arena that opened in 2018, uh, the construction cost was 524 million. We're talking about a 900 million dollar arena for comparison, which is pretty incredible. The ownership group contributed 174 million, which was 33 percent. Little Caesars in Detroit opened a year before that and uh, prior to that in 2017, an 863 million dollar arena, which is getting closer into the ballpark of what, what uh, OKC has proposed. They contributed $539 million, so 63%. And I'll go through these just with the percentages really quick. Uh, Golden One Center in Sacramento, 2016 is when it opened. $558 million construction costs. Again, quite a bit cheaper than what the Thunder – and what the oh, – sorry, what OKC has proposed. And I only mention that because I think that's really exciting as a, yeah. a OKC resident. They let's see $558 million construction and 51% contribution from ownership groups. So super quick recap. Milwaukee's ownership group for a $524 million construction cost, they contributed 33%. For Detroit, $863 million arena costs total, they contributed 63%. Golden One Center, Sacramento, $558 million construction cost, and that ownership group contributed 51%. So obviously, I, I wonder if there's joint ownership in those arenas. Some of them are, some of them are not in the case of Sacramento. But again, like, it's a, it's a costs are much higher, right? Mm-hmm. And also, look. David Holt's argument has been like, we are a small, a small market team. There are other teams. Second smallest cities, market in the NBA. Third, but still third. I mean, same thing. I, I get it. And yes, all of us wish that ownership would contribute more towards the arena, but we're talking about a top notch state of the art arena. Like 900, what was it? 900 million, 900 million. That will be completely City owned, and that is that will be one of the nicest arenas in the entire United States. For reference, Silva, I'm sorry, I feel like we're just like completely like ranting, and you're <laughs> no, just like you sitting there hanging out. No, sorry, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> the the Paycom Center is currently the smallest square footage arena in the NBA out of 29 arenas, soon to be 30. Uh, it is also, I think, top five or six, so top, I guess, bottom 20 percent in age. Uh, that's when you exclude uh, historical arenas like um, the the Garden in the uh, Madison Square Garden in New York City. So our arena is old. Our arena is small. And like Taylor mentioned at the top of the show, it's there's other cities ready to go. And the other thing too is like we you mentioned Jacob, the um, let's see the going rate for renting an arena. And again, there's a I don't know if I want to call him prominent. There is a certain uh, media member out of the Tulsa area who just covers news in general uh, for an outlet out of Tulsa who has really kind of been upset with the total contribution amount from the OKC ownership group. He mentioned that if the ownership group were to, or in the Thunder were to put to pay uh, a million a year for basically rent for the stadium for each season. 
OKC taxpayers will be paid back in the year 2873. Obviously, that's a very, very long time from now. Who knows if basketball is even being played? My argument is we don't know that is going to be the rate, the rental rate to rent the arena, right? So there are a lot of details, a lot of details that with these negotiations that have gone on between the Thunder ownership group and the city that we know very little about. Agreed. Uh, Big Mike in the chat here says, if OKC gets a new stadium, how likely is an all-star weekend? I think that's a great question. Uh, A big question of all-star weekend is tied to high-quality hotel availability, like four-star or better, I think. Um, And there has to be like X number of rooms in a market for the NBA to even consider. The Thunder are not at that number, but the the rate of growth that Taylor mentioned earlier from 08 to now if that continues throughout the 2020s and this arena is ready to go in 2029, they could be there. And there's already a plan in that direction. There's already have plans a championship for some... by then too. Yeah. Maybe five. I was about to say, hopefully a couple. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are additional plans already for new hotel spaces. And uh-huh. new Build resorts. a lot of cool stuff. And that's, yeah. That's We've also, we, we got to move on from this topic. There's also been some, I've heard some chatter about, location and where it might go we can dive into that later moral of the story folks vote yes on december 12th yes vote I will, yes vote i can yes. i'll very quickly say my piece on this also in a very concise way um i would also like if you know if billionaires can were like contributed more to society in general um I, I really would love that it's not always the case and it's in in a spot in a market the size of of what we have here in oklahoma city you may not get the best of, you may not get the, the most ideal situation. You may have to make some, in order to, to stay, remain relevant in a place like this, in order to uh, keep growing, you may have to agree to some things that largely benefit people that are a million times richer than you. There might be some, some ethical decisions that you as a, as a human don't personally agree with. Like, yeah, I would love if they contributed more than $5 million, but, um, that's just the way it works sometimes. If you want to yeah. stay in the if you, yeah, if you want to stay if you want to stay in the game, sometimes uh things are not uh the most ideal. Yeah, sometimes things aren't equitable. Yep. It still makes a huge impact on the city though. Right. I think it'll pass. I think it'll pass. It better pass. If it doesn't pass, we're gonna have the, the doomsday pod of all doomsday podcasts. The degenerates will take, be out in force. We'll be dressed we're up gonna in take Max our we will first, our first break of the night. On the other side, we're going to talk about Chet Holmgren and some firefighters. We'll be right back. And we are back. Silva, can you pull up the uh, the Thunder social media page with those photos and put them on the stream? Yes. We've had two OKC Thunder. Um, Taylor, I don't know what you want to call them. Um like media, uh, community relations Com- events. Community relation events. I like that. The first one was Kaysen Wallace and Lindy Waters the third, uh, running some bingo at the old folks' home. So wholesome. I love that. I really Kaysen do. Seemed I'm to like, enjoy I'm himself. smiling, but that it's awesome. Today, Keontae Johnson, Olivier Saar, Usman Jang, and Chet Holmgren. All and Kenny visit- Hustle the Great. Don't you oh, forget? I didn't, I didn't see the the picture of Kenny Hustle. Uh, all, there. all went to 
um, a fire station in Oklahoma City. You got you got to blow that thing up. So yeah, much. yeah, that's uh, that's a bad out of context phrase. This it's not a toilet. <laughs> there there it is. Hey, well done, well done. That's they all good. went and hung out um, with some firefighters today. <laughs> I am laughing. I mean, we're going to get into this main point, but I am just laughing viewing this photo. I'm sorry. First thing, it's just incredibly exciting to see these guys back in market like this sounds so dumb i know it sounds dumb i don't care seeing this photo i was like oh hell yeah basketball's back that's what so, like, so that is why i tweeted like two out. weeks i had some bangers today on the uncontested account for the first time in a very very long time hey, even a broke uh, clock is right twice a day long. exactly <laughs> and today was one of my days that was exactly right and yeah, no, I, I honestly, Jacob, I had the same feeling like knowing these guys are back in OKC and they're working out together and they're playing together unofficially, of course, uh, nothing against the rules, but it, it is really exciting to see. And you combine that with Case and Wallace, like you mentioned, and Lindy Waters, um, early, like basically everybody is here except the FIBA guys and the FIBA guys, Giddy, Jack White, uh, Shay. Lou, like they'll be here soon, uh, unless they go to a like LA, like they have in the past to play, you know, basically have pre mini camp uh, before they do actual preseason. So, anyways, I agree. Very exciting. Looks like Chet is committed to the facial hair. I'm into it. Yeah. Silva, we go back to the first picture. If you're not on the YouTube page, uh, go look at these pictures that the Thunder tweeted out. We got to talk about this for a second, Jay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Did we lose Jacob momentarily? I think, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I thought he was here. Quite. He's um, kind of back. You're here in a way. Spotty. Okay, so we have this picture I'm, pulled I'm, up. I kind of like the... Jacob, Am I really here? 
Uh, you're cutting out real bad. <laughs> You'll come back. <laughs> Silva has pulled up this picture uh, that the Thunder posted and is of all the players we mentioned. We have, obviously, Chet. We have Keontae Johnson. We have Kenny Hustle the Great. We have, uh, and I say that because that Nipsey Hustle the Great, and I just always love that comparison. Rest in peace, Nipsey. Uh, we have Usman Jang, and then we have Olivier Saar. And when you look at this picture, and not only the pictures, because Silva, just like you just did, I, I went through the actual OKC Thunder post, uh, the, the multiple posts that they did, and like looked at the actual videos and like walking side by side. And, like the videos actually hold up. This isn't just one image where Chet looks like way taller than everybody else. Like it adds up or it, 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 yeah, it, I mean, when you look at the videos and stuff, it, it adds up. Chet looks like almost a head taller than Usman Jang and Olivier Saar. And Olivier Saar is listed at like, this is off the top of my head, like seven, one ish. And I think Us <laughs> is listed at like six, nine, yeah. six, 10. Yeah. That's I insane. mean, Chet looks every bit of seven, two, seven, three. So, yeah, what the hell is going on? <laughs> this is I'm, I'm I'm very excited to see him actually get on the basketball court because he is uh, a specimen, as they say. Also, like, uh, Matt Noonan in our chat called him Wolverine. Wolverine, is, that is, is amazing. Great. Which is great. In my back, uh, can you guys hear me? You're back. Yeah, you sound good. Sweet. Wolver, Wolverine, Matt, might have to be a t-shirt. I was about to say, you <laughs> might have dope. to make that a t-shirt and then send a free yeah. one to Matt. That is fantastic. So, the two things that really jumped out to me on this photo, not only is Chet enormous, like Taylor, you just mentioned, like if Olivier Saar is 6'11", Chet's 7'2". At least. There's just, there, there, there's just no way. Unless it's like a really, really, really bad photo. Also, if Olivier Saar is 6'11", they got a dude in Usman Jang. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. He, he looks the same size, if not a little bit taller. If Us is a seven foot wing and can start Hello. to put it together, looks what like he's gonna do weight too. He's bulked up. I saw it. So again, if you're not on the live stream, you gotta go look this photo up. Someone said Chet is a full eight year old eight year old taller than the woman. <laughs> you see the woman yeah. there? If you put yeah. an eight-year-old on top Keontae of her, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and Kenny it kind of makes me think, I don't know if you guys saw this news story today, but out in Pennsylvania, they finally caught that, um, that prison escapee that's been like missing for 14 days. Yeah. Um, and the, the some, Eagles. And, yeah. Some, yeah. And the Eagles hoodie. Uh, I'm sure those fans are proud. <laughs> Somebody in the official, like police press conference said, were you guys worried that worried that he might find another short guy and do the uh, the two guys in the trench coat standing on top of each other trip? <laughs> and that's kind of what I feel like Chet looks like. Yeah, he looks like two twelve year olds standing on top of each other in a trench coat. But the wild part is like he's in like short shorts and a Thunder Cares t shirt. My brother in Christ, <laughs> those shorts aren't short. If you put those shorts <laughs> on, they just... go down to your ankles. Like back they, when I was in fourth grade and played yeah, basketball. Those shorts and, on you, Taylor, would look like some of those Jinko shorts from the early 90s. Yes. That's how I played, uh, what was it, like fourth through seventh, eighth grade. And then the, the style started to change. We went to Atney. And then uh, by the time I was done, when Hayden was playing high school and stuff, it was like, yeah, like that. It's like up to your mid-thigh. But 
Uh, <laughs> you're right. You're right. It is. I, they, it is kind of crazy to see. If Chet is really that tall, this season is going to be fun. God help us. It's going to be fun. It's All a right. great transition. It is a great transition. We're going to take our second break of the night. On the other side, let's talk the Taylor versus Nick debacle. We'll yes. Be right back. And we are back. Gentlemen, have this idea for a podcast segment. We're going to split it into two shows tonight and then this coming Sunday show. And I've deemed it the Taylor and Nick debacle. If you've listened to The Uncontested for any stretch of time, you know that Taylor is the most positive person uh, maybe to ever exist. Meanwhile, uh, really ever since we've been doing live streaming, uh, the chat just always craps on Nick because of how negative he is. Nick just Nick always undersells everything. And so yeah. it's this dichotomy between the two of them. So we thought we would do a best case scenario for the Thunder next season and worst case scenario. The best case scenario is obviously the Taylor point of view. The worst case scenario would very much be the Nick point of view. Nick, who told us they might finish like 13th in the West. I and might Taylor, take six Benadryl for that show. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor, you're muted. Taylor, you are totally muted right now, my guy. You look like you were doing something really passionate, though. Yeah, I was. I was. Okay, we are back. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> no, I was just. Uh, I was just saying, like thirteenth in the West. Like my negative perspective. My my yeah. negative worst case scenario was like, oh, Thunder or tenth in the plane. You know, competing for a playing spot. So Connor mentions that Nick's not even here to defend himself. That's one hundred percent why we're doing this show to Nick. Or sorry, Connor. So Nick uh, doesn't have a chance to run this parade. Correct. We're pumping yeah. the sunshine so that way we don't get just out of get here. Absolutely, Nick, your rainy on. cloud. Putting some landmines outside on, of his yeah. door. Yeah. And if we started with like the negative first, and we split up the podcast into two different podcasts, we're going to get a lot of hate and like, oh my gosh, the uncontested are so down on the thunder. Now we might get the opposite tonight with uh, <laughs> so <laughs> yes. So let's talk best case scenario. Boys, Silva, you've been drowned out this entire podcast. You get to kick us off. <laughs> yeah. Injuries to West teams aside, right? what has to happen? Give us something specific that has to happen with this Oklahoma City Thunder team for them to reach best case scenario. Wait, hold on. Taylor, uh, Mr. Optimistic, is hijacking this part of his podcast segment. First, I want each of us to go through and give our best case scenario for the Thunder this season. Being real uh, again, realistic for our most uh, most likely best case scenario. And I, I I assume and and I know that Nick will do the same for most likely, I guess worst case scenario. Um, so Silva, what do you think? Best case scenario for the Thunder most likely this season. And then yeah, it's go- gonna, it's going to be. So last year felt like the best case scenario for the for the roster that was in place. It did feel like like that as from a health standpoint, from a, a development standpoint, from J dub as a, as the number twelve pick being an, like an immediate impact guy. It, we're gonna need for the best case, we're gonna need that again. We're gonna need health. We're gonna need immediate impact from the new guys, like a Mitchich, like a Chet, who is technically a new guy, like a maybe a Case and Wallace in his minutes. 
We're going to need specifically, this is the biggest thing, Chet and his health. That is the biggest thing. Can he play? I, I don't want you to give the list yet. That's that's like the meat of this. I, I just want the best case scenario oh. really quick, and then we'll okay, get into the okay. meat. But as no, a I'm result, sorry. I'm completely hijacking Jacob. But <laughs> no, no, in no. my defense, he's also <laughs> he does look like a, he an apparition. Right he, he, and looks, he's... <laughs> he looks like what I will see when I take six Benadryl. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> So if give, give me your best case scenario, then okay. I want like, your reasonings and we'll okay. go one like, by one. Like but I want wise. the same from Jacob also. Well, it just like, for example, best case scenario for me, I think best case, most likely scenario mm -hmm. that is, is actually realistic. I think a top four seating heading into the playoffs, home court advantage. So I'm curious okay. your thoughts. Okay. 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 And then I want Jacob. Yeah. Said, it looks like he's back and then it I'll does. stop hijacking. I think this. I think. Oh God. Okay. I gotta, he's kind of back now. He's frozen. On. I have to like find my place in the Taylor and Nick spectrum really quick. And I think I. You said four, wide universal. You said very four. wide. I'm gonna say. Let me just say out of the plan. Okay. Out safely. Out of the plan. Wow. That's your best case scenario. Yes. Jake is back. Okay. Good. All right, Nick. Yeah, I know. Oh, man, brutal. Okay, Jacob, give me your best, most again, likely attainable best case scenario for this upcoming season. And then we'll get into the meat and potatoes. Three seed? Yeah, see, oh, now we're talking. Now we are talking. So Jacob cut out again, but that was a perfect uh, sounder transition to fill the space. <laughs> okay, so but now I okay. I do want okay. to just because I'm not sure if Jacob's completely back, <laughs> and I'm completely <laughs> taking over hosting uh, uh hosting right now. I now is, I, I want what you were going through there when okay. you first started because this so, is kind of yeah. the details here. Why now, in your opinion? You're saying maybe best case scenario is just them being a top eight or sorry, top seven seed, not or gosh, top like six, six. Seed, not having to uh, make the plan. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that. Uh, that. Yeah, for me, it's like five or six is kind of where kind of where I'm where I'm thinking in this scenario. And a lot of that is barring Chet filling this massive void that the Thunder have had from a size and shot blocking standpoint. I think that is the biggest hole this team has That's the biggest uh, need of the team and Chet can slot in. And I think that the ceiling of the team is going to be um, somewhat dictated by how often he's on the court. Uh, I also think you're going to need guys like Josh Giddy and Jada to take another step forward. And you're going to need Shea to stay at the level he's at. And um, we just saw him and play for Canada and looked even better than he was. Um, so I definitely, I see the path forward. Absolutely. Um, it's going to take some hopium for me. I got to, got to, Inhale some hopium for a while, and uh, yeah, I, th I think five or six is is fitting. It's fitting. Jacob, it looks like you're back. It does. Uh, hey guys, hear me? Am I good? Yeah, yeah. Yep. You sound and you look good too. Uh, I mean, you always look good, Jacob, but wow. your quality looks good. Thank you uh, so much, Silva. That is a little more pessimistic than I expected of you, which I know Nick would appreciate, as we will get yep. into on Sunday's podcast. Jacob, you're with me in terms of best case most you know still likely scenario for the thunder this season here's let, let me give you some of my background am i still there? my internet keeps like chopping in and out do i sound okay 
your videos uh, messed up again, but you you sound good. Okay. Yeah, you do. <laughs> 2020-2021, the Memphis Grizzlies played in NBA's inaugural um, play-in tournament. They beat the Golden State Warriors, and they went on to lose in five games to the Utah Jazz, uh, who were the one seed that year, I believe. Uh, the the Grizzlies came in either the ninth or the tenth seed. The next season, Memphis was the two seed in the West, and a huge portion of that was a bump by John Moran. Shea was first team All NBA last year, guys. Got MVP votes. You listen to anybody who follows basketball, they will tell you Shea has got better. What he did in FIBA with Team Canada, just absurd. Silva, I think you kind of hit on it. One of the biggest things is is your star moving forward, moving the meter. I think Shea has done that. I think Shea has absolutely done that. And when you bring him back, he's better than what he was last year. But you add so much around him. Uh, year three, Josh. And Josh struggled at the beginning of the year last year. I think him and Shea playing so much together, they now have this chemistry. Year two of Dub, who got buff. He did. They had a top 12 defense where their biggest issue was rim protection. You're now bringing in arguably like the best rim protector uh, in the past seven, eight years. I, I think they have the pieces. You you need wing depth in the NBA. You've got Poku coming back. You've got Usman Jang. Can he hustle healthy? Like, if Kenrich Williams doesn't get hurt down those last 15 games of last season, the Thunder might skip the play and then just make the playoffs. Right? I think we, we it was such a tight race last year, and I understand that, and I get that context. But I think we're looking at things through the scope of, oh, the Thunder were the last team in the play-in. I think this conversation all summer is very different if Shea doesn't get COVID and Kenny doesn't get hurt and those two guys play um, and don't miss games in those final 15. Guys, might be the sixth seed playing the Sacramento Kings in the first round. Jacob and the conversation this summer my language. is completely yes. different. And we're all just high as piss on the copium. I guess not the copium, the hopium. Uh, the hopium. It's, you have two different straight in the how, bloodstream. How high is the piss on the scale of high to low? I... Oh, when, when you're high as piss, there's, there's nothing higher. Yeah, right. It's like shooting the so piss out of the I ball. love... I, okay, fair. Yeah, fair. Fair enough. So I, love I, that you I, went... I think one of the biggest contributions for them to get there, there's a lot of things. Shea jump. And I think the other thing, guys... I would say three things. Shea jump. Chet being what we think he can be. And three-point shooting. If you get guys that can knock down threes, Michich, Isaiah Joe, Dub takes a leap, Josh takes a leap, it opens up that floor for Shea. But I think defensively is where they're going to make their bread and butter. I mean, 
and, and we'll talk about worst case scenario on Sunday. Sorry, I'm like going on and on and on. I, I no, just feel perfect. very passionate about this. Mm-hmm. We'll talk worst case scenario Sunday. And there's Take some worst case scenarios. I have converted a follower. But <laughs> what if... Also, what, Jacob, you're like, you're completely back. Your you're quality's back. Your you're video's what back. What happens, guys? Chet missed his rookie year. And he had all that time to train to get used to the NBA. It's not going to be new to him coming in next season. What happens if he comes in and has like a Blake Griffin style rookie here? I might shed tears on this podcast if that happens. It's a fun. If he has a Blake Griffin level rookie year. Is he rookie of the year? They're making it to the second round of the playoffs. Correct. I mean, they're a top four. Seed heading into the playoffs, and they have home court advantage. Let me pull up the stats real quick. Rookie year, Blake. Who would you? God, while if, he, if he has a rookie year, Blake year, guys. I have like a soliloquy. <laughs> rookie year, I came Blake. with the stats. I have ammunition because I know Nick is going to tear me down. Rookie year, Blake. After the injury, started every single game. Eighty-two, played thirty-eight minutes a game. Went 22 and a half points, 12 rebounds, four assists a game. Oh, I love this, Jacob. Well done. I might, uh, I'm in. Points won't be the same because, again, very different times, very different yourself, team. Buddy. <laughs> hey, if that happens, we're talking about a championship contender. <laughs> and, and I said, most like, you know, still attainable, most like, or uh, a best case scenario. We'll, we'll we'll definitely talk worst case scenarios, but I'm just telling you, there is a world. This team is the three seed, hosting a first round and possibly a second round playoff series, and in the NBA playoff. Agree completely. And again, so just full disclaimer here before I go on my uh, go on my pro Taylor segment rant. I guess it's how you would word that. Basically. I gave you guys my best case scenario and I have some similar, um, some similar reasons why that would things that would have to happen for this best case scenario to come alive. Right. That I still think is realistic. I'm not going to say the thunder are going to be championship contenders because I don't think that's quite realistic yet. Not unattainable. I mean, again, there's always the, the off chance that Presti shocks us all. But that's not what we're talking about here. So, all of these are subject to good health, right? Like, that's just the disclaimer. If injuries happen, that sucks. And, and that's not what we're here to talk about. But I have Shea as a top three MVP candidate. And I am writing the hype from FIBA. All the national hype that's coming in. SGA, final FIBA World Cup stats, 24.5 points per game, 6.5 assists on only 1.5 turnovers per, per game 6.4 rebounds per game on 54 point 54.5 shooting basically 70 percent true shooting percentage 88.7 percent from the free throw line and we know how often shea has been getting to the free throw line that continued into fiba 1.6 steals per game and we know how well his defense has been there is a very real scenario where shea is a top three mvp candidate after he I was voted number five this past season and was all NBA again, all pending health. But I mean, 
I think that's the first thing that needs to happen. The second, something you both talked about, Chet's essentially his rookie season. First of all, this is kind of a given, but yet I think he needs to be top two in rookie of the year. I think he needs to be top three in points per game for OKC, top three in rebounds. I think he needs to lead the team in blocks. Does not get in foul trouble against stronger and bigger bigs, but I have some stats for you all here. So just to recap, I said top three in points per game for OKC. Let's go ahead and look at that. Top three in points per game last season for OKC was Shea at 31.4 points per game. Next, pretty big drop-off. Josh Giddy at 16.6 points per game. 14.1 points per game for Jalen Williams. This feels a little realistic to me. Yeah. I can't lie. Second one, um, least team, oh, sorry, top three in rebounds. Way more realistic. Team leader in rebounds last season. Do you guys want to guess it? Josh Giddy. It was Josh Giddy at 7.9 true rebounds per game. I think Chet's going to average like nine. The next one, you want to guess the next one? Is it SGA? No. Lou Dort. No. Kenrich Williams, small ball uh, center at 4.9 yeah. rebounds 4. per game. 4. After that, Jalen J. Will Williams at 4.9. He tied, essentially, he tied uh, K. Rich. Shea at 4.8, to your point, Jacob. Extremely realistic there. And then the other one I mentioned, uh, the team least teams and blocks, which is even more realistic. The leader so was again, this, yeah, correct. This was our, our whole dilemma that we had because I believe it was Kamiar and Nick who had this bet. And it was, like, it was me it and for, oh, it was, like, it was me and Justin. You adjusted the, the Poku draft yep. night. We're still waiting. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So if we're going points per game and not point in games played, et cetera, et cetera, Poku had 1.3, led the, the team with 1.3 blocks per game. Shea was next with 1.0. After that was Darius Baisley at 0.8 blocks per game. I think Shea is going to, or sorry, Chet is going to pass that with flying colors. Definitely. JD, what if you had to choose an over under for Chet blocks per game next season, what would you put it at? Um, How many blocks per game was our, le- was, uh, our leader last season, did you say, Taylor? Poku uh, at 1.6? One yeah. 1.3. 1. How 1. many 3. did, like, I'm trying to get a, a good judge on, like, how many like, did the look like, at Jaren Jackson... Yeah. Evan Mobley, fresh, uh, I almost said, gosh, I'm in college football mode. Uh, rookie season. Mm-hmm. I got I think, Give me two seconds. I think. The 1.7. Uh, I think check could average. Um, and this is super optimistic of me, but this is my segment. Dang it. I think two can happen. It's not insane. I mean, he's by far the guy that's. If it's the- only two, I'm going to be disappointed. Yes, now we're talking. See, Jacob is with me. Is 2.3 insane? Jaron Jackson averaged three blocks a game last season. Uh, Number two in the league was Nick Claxton at two and a half. Brooke Lopez at two and a half. Walker Kessler at 2.3. Nick Claxton at two and a half. Yes. I might might guess more like 2.3. I'm going like like 3.0. It's it's just going to be a volume. It's going to be a volume thing. Like That's going to be his job. Silva, so let me correct. Let me ask you this one. I put this on Twitter the other day, and I got a ton mm-hmm. of response from it. Tell me right now, when we're doing this podcast from now, what is Chet's game high in points? <laughs> what is his game high in oh. rebounds? Game high in assists and game high in blocks? Okay, so points. Obviously, not all the same game. 
but what would be right, the right, right. scoring output as highest rebound put it better? Points. Great question. Points. Let me go like 31. It's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be Three. a lot of threes. No, I like that. A lot of threes. Three. Yeah, okay. A lot of threes. We see some off the dribble stuff happening that night. Rebounds. I'll you know, I'll say like 17, 16. Assists, maybe like eleven. God, if he gets eleven assists in a game, I will. Uh, it'd be insane. It'd be I insane. will leave the the Paycom Center with poop yeah. in my pants. Yeah. <laughs> um, blocks might I, not be my no, own. Blocks could be something special. Like we could see flirting with the trip. Like searching damn near triple double. We could see ten. I'm. If he gets ten blocks and it's we are converting rockets. Silva to the Taylor side, and I, I love. It. I I have an MVP take that uh, I would like to save uh, for the bets podcast. No, I can say it now. I just oh. want to know what you guys think about it. Who I'm finishes ready. higher on the MVP ballot, Shea Gildas Alexander or Jason Tatum? I knew it was going to be Jason Tatum. You have this weird like Jason Tatum fetish. It's because one of my very good friends is a. Huge Celtics fan, and we're always talking Thunder and Celtics, Thunder and Celtics, Thunder and Celtics. He's always in my I mind. I think they're on the That's same fair. field now. They are. They're both 25. It's just Jason Tatum is in a different context and has been in a different context for his yeah. whole career, basically. Shea so, has entered the chat, boys. And uh, I he agree. Is, he is ascending at a rapid pace. And a lot yeah. of it's going to revolve around discourse around the, this Thunder team. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. I like that about Chet. And I'm sorry. I know, I know we're going later than we thought, but. I'll go through these next ones a little more quickly. Uh, bullet points for why, what would need to happen for the Thunder to reach this "quote unquote" most realistic base case scenario. So, Giddy, I said borderline All Star, which I just think means his stats would have to look something like, I don't know, he was at sixteen point six point per game last season. Let's be realistic here. For him to like have a big increase would be very unlikely, given who we're bringing into this team. I'm thinking like maybe he just increases that about 18 points per game, eight-ish assists, which isn't too much higher, eight rebounds, which basically he already had. Like if you're 18, eight, and eight on a team who is... is, Especially if it's efficient. Correct. If it's like 34% from three, um, the float game gets going, he's more aggressive at the rim, and he's getting to the free throw line more. 18, eight, and eight get you in the all-star conversation. Right, yeah. And again, we aren't saying it'll be hard for the Thunder to get two all-stars and, again, to try and pick between a – especially when you're, you're picking between a Shea, Josh, Dub, um, Chet, hypothetically. But I think that's fair. Speaking of Dub, next bullet point I have is that I think Dub would have to be the guy when Shea sits. Almost like the Shea of the second unit, but also obviously continues to mesh and perform really well. You mean what Shea he did Giddy. for the last 30 games of the season? Correct. Correct. It's not like it's a foreign idea. He's already done it. Yeah. Right. And I really want to see Dub utilize the size that he has added on this offseason and put it and, and, and apply it defensively. Because I think if he can improve defensively as a player, I mean, that really takes his team to the next level. And if he's so, able to do that on both sides of the floor, we are talking about a home court advantage playoff team. Let me jump in here real quick. Silva, I'm coming back to you because, again, you've talked like for 10 seconds on this podcast. Hey, hey just the nature of this one. It's all right. Thunder were 12th <laughs> in defensive efficiency at, or total defense last season. Best case scenario, where do they finish this coming season at? Best case. Okay, I got to reorient. I got to reorient. I'm going to recalibrate. 
sixth. I was going to say if they get to five or six, I they're going to have a good offense, I think, the way they play. If they're fifth or sixth in defense. Uh-oh. Did you guys lose me? No, I just said uh-oh because they could be fifth or sixth in defense. Oh. It, could be like the, it could be like a top six seed of the West. If they're fifth or sixth in defense and like 15th, 14th in offense, Lord have mercy, I'm about to bust. They're going to be... I think Taylor's focused a lot on the offensive side, which I think is totally fair. I think this team has a chance to be special defensively. You mean because we're not playing Kenrich Williams at the five, we can be better and have more rim protection now? I think we can do all the above. Yeah, we can. It's exciting. Yep. The first time Chet beats someone shit off the glass, (laughs) they lead a fast break. Drop it off to him and transition for a so three. Like, can you please flashes. just cut that right before off the glass? Yeah, I will. <laughs> I am going to be in Paycom speaking in tongues. <laughs> We're gonna have to. Gonna, I'll be there, I'm like shake and start glowing, <laughs> ascending, levitating, Kyrie Irving style. Uh, <laughs> incredible! Right above the the scissor tail bridge. So I, that's right. Just like Kyrie on the Brooklyn Bridge, back to Silva. I love it. I love it. And again, I, I expect big things from Dub. I'm just uh, one thing that we'll talk a lot about here heading into the the preseason and into the regular season is how you know how does Dub, Giddy, Shea all and and adding Chet into the mix. Like how do they all improve with adding Chet? That's something we'll talk a lot about. Next one I have here, kind of in order of importance, is kind of how I'm ranking these. I think Oos, again, if the Thunder are going to be a home court advantage playoff team, I think Oos takes a step and becomes a regular rotation piece due to consistent three-point shooting, solid defense, and continue to make a play make at a high level. I basically think he becomes more consistent, and we continue to see flashes of upside. I, I, I think at the end of the season, we'll be really excited about Oos. Curious your guys' I, thoughts. I put him in the, the top eight rotation. Last Boom. Week. God, if he becomes a top eight guy, oh my God. Yeah. If he becomes a top how eight does, guy, how does that draft stack up? Dude, I mean, think of those lineups. Drafts in like ever. Yeah. If you got Chet, Oos, Dub, and J Will all in the same draft on a playoff team, I will get Presty's face tattooed on my throat. I won't <laughs> actually do that, but that'd be dope. <laughs> okay. Good disclaimer. Good disclaimer. I won't actually do it, but it'd be cool. I'll but get, yeah, I mean, I, we'll I, and I think that is a great piece for this team. We'll make it some temporary uh, tattoos that say prestige. Hey, I, I think we all are down for that. If uh, if that is the case, I love that. Next one, super simple, gents. Lou needs to improve from three on fairly uh, limited attempts. And basically mm-hmm. what I'm thinking of here when I mentioned this, his role with Team Canada. I don't have those stats pulled up because, again, we're already at an hour here. But his role with Team Canada is really what I would hope to see from Lou, even with him starting. I feel like the shot selection still wasn't the greatest with Team Canada. So, I don't know. Yeah, You just, have a, you just had Dylan Brooks on the team who was willing to take a little more. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I don't know. How much is the ceiling of this team? Like, what percentage of the, the Thunder reaching their absolute ceiling next season is tied to Lou Dort? Probably pretty low outside of him uh, 
his defense ability in in certain situations, right? It's mostly like I mean as a defensive is, closer, I feel. Like that's kind of the value I see in Lou next year. Even opener. Like you think about yeah, like yeah. Dylan Brooks came out on Luca uh, during Team Canada's game against uh, Slovenia, right? Yeah. I hope I have a yeah. country mm-hmm. right. Yeah, Slovenia. Uh-huh. And then you throw Lou Dorden off the bench like, yeah, no one. I agree. I, and honestly, in the hallway, maybe I, this is probably lower uh, than some of the, these last couple ones that I have. But I would like to see well, a little more reserved Lou Dort. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that's fair. I just I I question how much of teams' overall success will be tied to Lou because I think there's just so many other options. Very fair. So again, I probably should have bumped this one up. Curious your guys' thought. Mitchich is able to create, score, defend off the bench at a high level. I mean, what do we think about Vasilier? His 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 contribution. Like, if the Thunder are a a home playoff team, or yeah, a, a team in the playoffs have a home court advantage. How big of a role does Mitchich have for that regular season? See, like top eight rookie of the year standings or something. I don't. I don't know. Fair. I don't know. I mean, he would have. That's to actually con- fair. I think we would. He's supposed to be an instant impact guy. He's damn. He's what is he? Thirty, twenty nine. Yeah, he he would come in and make an instant impact. He'd be three and D plus excellent passing. My it, thing on Mitchell is it'd be Nick's vision realized. If he comes in and he's god awful, it doesn't lower your floor. You just don't play him. You play Casey instead, right? Like, yeah, you play Casey. You you play Trey. Whatever. Like. It's not going to lower your team. He's he's not this integral piece. But if he's good, it sure as hell raises your ceiling. Right. And that's the benefit of that guy. Is like if he comes in and he plays and he can't guard a soul, it's whatever. Like it doesn't matter. It's not like you have to get Mitic minutes. It's quite literally all gravy, right? It it one hundred percent is. It's all upside, no downside. I, I think I agree with that completely. And this is probably a good uh, segment to this next one on any given night. And again, we've talked a lot of, a lot of things we talked about kind of leads me to think about the depth of this team. When I say, say depth, I'm not talking about 10 starters necessarily, right? There is a lot of depth on this Thunder team. So on any given night, any handful of Kaysen Wallace, Isaiah Joe, Usman Jang, Bertons, potentially unless he's traded further on uh, in the season. Kendrick Williams, et cetera, can go off for 12-plus points off the bench. And if you have that amount of players off the bench that can do that on any given game, you're going to get a perfect storm where players, multiple players do that off the bench. And if that's the case, and that happens multiple times, I think that is a recipe for success where the Thunder could be a top-four team heading into the playoffs. Is that fair? A little too optimistic? No, I think it's fair. Speaking of of depth, I don't know. We, we've talked about the rotation and stuff before. Silva, if they reach their ceiling, what's the what's the ten man rotation? Uh, you have your obvious uh, five, I guess, of SGA, Giddy, Dub, uh, Chet, and I guess Lou. Okay, I guess Lou would be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have. You said 10? 
Yeah. So like basically your your twos yeah. for all those positions. Right. So that probably 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 Mitchich. Um probably I mean for Kenrich Williams obviously puts me at seven. I would love to see Aaron Wiggins there. I think it can be one of these guys that Taylor's talking about where he comes in and just scores twelve to sixteen out of nowhere when you need it. Uh so that leaves me what two left? I have two mm-hmm. left at that point. Jay Will, maybe. And then Isaiah Joe. Yeah. How interesting. Your your list is very different than mine. And then and we're like, and that I, I was like, out, guys. But it's not unfair. Yeah. I, don't I could think. have said, a, yeah, it's it's insane. I could have said so many other names there, like Poku, yeah. Kaysen, I think those Aaron Wiggins, five, those backup five would be Mitchich, Kenrich. This if they're they're ceiling this year, and these guys are like all contributing. I think their best ten will be the starting five: Mitchich, Kenrich, Poku, Us. Jason Wallace. Yep, I would put him in there. And, and, then, and you're it's like your Wiggins and Joe. Or, like your pick. Yeah. So yeah, your Wiggins or Joe is, is Chet and Poku. Your wings are J Dub and Lou and Us and Kenrich Williams. Yeah. Your guards are and Aaron Wiggins and on Shea, occasion, who are six six and six nine, and then Mitchich and Casey Wallace. Like, that's a team. There's a world that exists where these guys take the jumps over the summer that they needed to. They gel together as a team. The continuity starts to kick in. And they're just a bunch of badasses that nobody wants to play. Agreed. And so I think quick they're going to be physical as hell on defense. Just quick aside, one more that I have that I don't think really need to dive into at this point. I just thought, uh, and this is something you guys both, each of you have mentioned, I think, throughout this podcast. I think the Thunder need to find an alternative to not having a true quote-unquote big man, whether that be playing bigs off the floor with small wall, like we've talked a lot about, with their multitude of small ball lineup options, or someone like Jay Will improving physically. That could be enough. Or maybe it's trading, again, for a, a quote-unquote big, a backup big, nothing crazy, but that could be an option there. But the last one I really want to discuss here to get us out of here, this is the least likely, which is why I have it at the end. But Presley makes a trade. Not an all-in trade. I'm not saying he pushes the quote-unquote button like he's mentioned, but a trade that improves the team and addresses a team need. So likely using a depot or Berton's contract plus picks to get a player in here who contributes immediately that would lead to this team reaching that um, top four seed in the West. It's interesting. I to the trade happening this year. I don't know. It'd have, there'd have to be like a glaring need for something, you know, around the All Star right. break. Yeah. Well, and still like performing at an incredibly high level. Right. level. Mm-hmm. I, I'm. You guys know this. I lean more and more towards a superstar trade isn't going to happen. Zach Lowe mentioned it on his podcast this week. He said it's not an if, it's a when. I just don't agree with that. Do you think that was That's like source? Just, no, I don't think it was either. I it's think just it's just him being opinion. excited about Shay and. Right. I could see them making trades for like impact guys that aren't all-star level dudes like a Lou Dort level type player. I just don't see the Carl Anthony Towns trade or the uh, DeAndre Ayton trade or the Pascal Siakam trade. I just don't see it happening. I don't know. I don't understand. Why does Shea excitement have to automatically mean big trade? Because I need satisfaction right now. Now, to be clear, that that wasn't what I was getting at. Like, right, I'm right, saying, right, right. you were talking about a move for sure. 
And I like, get that. I if, just all the other things come together if, and we find ourselves happens, competing. If that happens, I think that happens next summer. Agreed. Yeah. And I think I it's think for that's a very fair. scale contract. Very fair. Well, gentlemen, those are all my points, and I'm ready for Nick to uh, tear me apart on Sunday. <laughs> it's been a joy. I'm stoked for Thunder basketball, guys. Not far. Not far is a big old dude. The Wolverine. The Wolverine. <laughs> I think uh, it's shit's made. December 12th. CC Justin. December 12th, go vote yes. Or go to hell. Make your Benadryl tonight, folks. If you're not an OKC resident, commit voter fraud. Get a fake ID. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. We support democratic institutions. Yes, we do. At the Uncontested Podcast. You guys have a great rest of your week. If you're in Oklahoma. Enjoy this freaking weather, man. It's been incredible. We'll be back with you Sunday night so you can hear uh, Nick Crane poop on all of us and tell us why the Thunder will be getting uh, the third pick in the NBA draft because they're going to be so bad. We got lots of stuff coming up for you guys with the start of the season on the horizon. So make sure you follow all the social media channels, sub on the YouTube page, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your mom. We'll see you guys on Sunday. Until then, as always, under up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.